Hi, good afternoon, good morning, or good evening. This is uh, C. Travis Webb, and this is uh, my note for this week. You know, I still haven't figured out how exactly I, I want to start notes. You know, I usually say good afternoon, good morning, or good evening because of the sort of atemporal nature of the podcast. You can listen to it whenever you want. Uh, but I don't think I've often done that with the notes. Uh, so I'm still, you know, fumbling around with that, and I appreciate your patience uh, with that process. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot to say about last week's podcast. We're going to pick up part of the conversation. Um, you know, we kind of touched on, you know, really a hot button issue. I suspect will be somewhat contentious, uh, for us. Um, maybe Seth in particular, although I suspect Steven probably knows more about, you know, the Joe Rogan thing. Uh, although, you know, the hysteria has already moved on to some other, you know, target, um, even just after a week, but, um, so I, you know, I don't, I'm not going to really comment on that. I, when I say I don't have a lot to say, I don't mean that, um, I don't find the Lizzo question or body positivity or body neutrality, which is what I think, um, Seth had emphasized about her approach. It's not that I don't think that's an interesting, uh, issue. I, I absolutely do. It's hugely consequential. Um, you know, as a culture, if you are um, valorizing unhealthy images of women in either direction, it can become problematic. I'm not suggesting that's what's happening with Lizzo. I'm just saying that that you know, if you're you know representing Barbie style bodies, you're going to end up with some significant you know, corporeal dysmorphia around like what you think is an acceptable or attractive body if you are a woman. Um, and if you are representing uh, un unhealthy uh, bodies, you know, whether they be obese or whatever, um, that you're going to end up some issues with that too. So, you know, I don't, I understand that it's, it's consequential. Um, I guess, my feeling though, my emotional kind of center with this is that absolutely the body qua body, like, and I don't mean to be cerebral about it, but the body, our body, my body, your body, these bodies are a problem, right? They're a problem. Um, you know, the, the character from, uh, Thomas Mann's magic mountain, Settembrini kind of captures this, accurately when he talks about the problem of the body uh, in relation to Christianity and, and how the body is this vehicle through which we experience the pleasures of life uh, and also the thing that will betray us ultimately, right? You're, if you get older, you know, so I'm, I'm approaching 50 now, I'm not quite there yet, but, you know, my, my back goes out uh, more quickly if I overdo it when I exercise, you know, my knees aren't quite as pliable as they used to be. And, you know, my range of motion in my shoulders isn't what it was. And, you know, eventually my body will betray me or what I identify as me, the me that's speaking to you right now in the pot, you know, recording myself to be sent out um, on the internet. You know, what I identify as me, the little uh, episodic version of myself uh, will eventually, this body will betray that, even though this body is the thing through which I can enjoy 
all of those pleasures and that can produce my voice and can allow me to experience the joy of, you know, a sunny day or a rainy day or, you know, whatever my mood might be. The body is a problem, right? Not a problem in the sense of like, it's a negative, but it is a riddle. And it's, you know, to, to play with the etymology a little bit, put forth before us. I mean, that's the etymology of problem. And in the Middle Ages, it was considered, you know, and this is a riddle, you know, what what do we do with this body? Um, you know, most of the things that propel us, that intrigue us, that engage us are problems, in fact. Um, they're riddles. You know, they're, they're two things at once. They're three things at once. Uh, they're confusing. They're confounding. Uh, they're frustrating. They're infuriating. You know, love is a problem. The body is a problem. You know, the character of Bartleby and Bartleby the Scrivener by Melville, you know, the I prefer not to character, however familiar you are with the short story, you're probably familiar with that aspect of the character. I prefer not to, I prefer not to. Um, you know, and, the, and the, the, the protagonist in the story says, you know, what can he do for Bartleby? There's nothing that he could do for him. You know, you walk down the street, you see a homeless person, particularly if you are in an urban environment, an urban environment, what can I do for this person? Well, you can do things for them, right? I mean, this is a easy fiction that we tell ourselves that I tell myself, I'm not hanging anyone out to dry here. I include myself in that. You can always do something, right? You can stop, you can help this person, you can give, lend your time, lend your money, lend your body to help other bodies. This is always the thing that's confronting us. This is always in an embodied world, not to overuse the term or the word, but but this is the central problem, right? We can actually help other bodies, right? When we're starving, we can help people who, or when we see someone starving, we can help those people if we are able-bodied. I mean, this is the problem. But it's each of our own private problems. And this is why I don't have much to say about the Lizzo thing is I very intimately feel this problem. You know, I, I think about my body. I think about taking care of my body. I think about enjoying my body. Or I don't think about and just engage in those things, you know, enjoying my body or, or exercising my body, working my body, etc. But this is my problem fundamentally, right? I mean, this is my riddle, this thing that I, I have to, to contend with. And I think that's what I feel about other people's bodies of their variety, shapes, and sizes, you know, whether they be obese in a traditional sense or zoftic or calipigous or whatever, you know, word you want to use for that, or super unhealthy and skinny or, you know, kind of like ridiculously proportioned like a Marvel uh, superhero, uh, superhero win, uh, you know, superhero, female superhero. Um, you know, but this is each of our own private or intimate, maybe if not private, intimate problems to grapple with. I don't know, Lizzo. I don't, if I saw you on the street and I, I, you know, I don't know what your particular riddle is. I don't know what your negotiation is with your body. I don't know what you've decided to do with your body. I don't know how you've decided to enjoy your body or abuse your body. And to a certain extent, it's really none of my business. Um, I, I don't, I don't mean to bring up COVID intentionally. I didn't, I didn't, 
take the conversation in that direction. But we have become very concerned with what other people are doing with their bodies. And they used to, this used to be in a liberal shibboleth, right? Like you, you know, my body, my choice. This was my, you know, I got, I get to do what I want with my body. I get to cut out from my body what I want to cut out from my body. Um, and, and I think that that should be an inviolable principle. And we've gotten really involved and really interested in what other people are doing with their fucking bodies. And I just, it's your riddle, man, woman, it's your riddle. It's your thing to grapple with. It's your thing to negotiate with. Maybe you're going to abuse the hell out of it and die when you're 50. Maybe you're going to fuck your brains out until you end up, you know, riddled with disease. Maybe you're, you know, going to abuse it with alcohol. Maybe you're going to be pristine and only eat, you know, kale and sunlight. You know, I don't know. But I know that it is a riddle for you because it's a riddle for all of us because that's what it means to be homo duplex. That's what it means to have a mind, this mind-body problem. Even if we try to subvert that problem and say, you know, there is just a body, there's no mind, whatever. These are all just like kind of rhetorical tricks. The Buddhists were just playing with language too. Like, you know, I understand that we oftentimes make sort of precious little stories out of monks and nothing, whatever. Like these, these bodies were a riddle for them too. Bodies are a riddle for us. Um, and you know, that's what I take away from the Lizzo conversation is, you know, I'm sure Lizzo's body is a riddle for her as well. And something she's figuring out and enjoying and loathing and, uh, and a whole host of other maddening things until she's gone until we're all gone. Um, so yeah, I think the body is a problem, but I think it's our own private problem. And I wish, um, the culture would dial it back a little bit and let people just kind of make their way, uh, with that riddle until there's no more riddling to be done. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch up with you this coming uh, week on the next podcast. Take care. Good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, uh, wherever you are. Uh, this is Seth Rodney. I'm the opinions editor and a senior critic at Hyperallergic Media. And this is uh, my note for the American Age. The conversation following up on... The discussion that we had on Lizzo and the body positivity movement, I think we covered the topic and the adjacent topics pretty well. I think I would have liked to spend a little more time talking about a sort of tension between being really accepting of your own body and wanting to some ways improve it or change it. I think that one of the things that the body positivity movement doesn't deal well with is the fundamental question of how, what we dream of being and how we make physical changes. And this can be a range of things from body modification 
to sex change, uh, working out, diet, uh, various kinds of surgery, how we do all these things to, to make the body align with the self that we are imagining. And I want to say that the impulse to do that is, well, I was about to say it's a, it's a good one, but maybe it's just neutral. Maybe it's neither bad nor good. Maybe it depends on how that desire is expressed. But it seems to me that if we want to reach beyond ourselves to be better than we were yesterday, to be stronger, to be faster, to be more uh, present as more traditionally masculine or present as more traditionally feminine or uh, have bigger boobs, um, have bigger calf muscles. I don't know. I'm having a hard time drawing the line between improving oneself and imagining that we come from this place of lack. I mean, is there, in a, in a way, if we imagine that we could be better, in some ways, aren't we always sort of imagining that we lack already, that we, in some fundamental way, don't measure up to some standard, whether it's one that's self-imposed or imposed by a culture or by a particular... group that we belong to? I don't know. I mean, I've always wanted to be s smarter. I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm pretty smart, but I wanted, I've always wanted to be intellectually, uh, startling. I've also wanted to play basketball really well, but that was not going to happen. And there were ways in my youth in which I studied it, worked at things like fencing. I fenced for 14 years. I studied it. What's the word I want to use? Assiduously? I was very committed to learning how to fence. In the early 90s, I used to go to the YMCA at 23rd and 7th Street, the McBurney YMCA, which has since become some other kind of gym, David Barton's or whatever. But I used to go there Mondays and Fridays every week and study with Richard Gredkowski how to fence. There were drills and there were lessons and there were bouting. There was bouting. And I never became as good a fencer as I wanted to be, but I, I really poured a lot of time and energy and money into that. And when I moved off to California and got on the fencing team at UC Irvine, there was also uh, a real commitment there. And I really wanted to improve. I wanted to be better. I wanted to be someone who was elegant and powerful and fast. And anyway, in some way, I suppose, I felt like I didn't show up with all those gifts. I didn't show up strong and elegant and fast and 
So I had to work towards it. I had to make myself or try to make myself better, different. This is this seems to me a real central dilemma to being a human being is deciding ultimately what parts of ourselves that seem inherent, that seem natural to us, are the parts that we are comfortable, uh, comfortable leaving as is. And then the parts of ourselves, physical or intellectual or emotional, that we don't find so appealing or don't find to measure up to whatever standard we've glommed onto, that in those instances that we strive to do something different and we try to be something. Uh, And that entails like that entails not accepting who you are today. I don't know. I don't know, but I think that that's I don't know if that's just something that will be resolved for me anytime soon, but it's something really worth thinking about. Hello, this is Stephen Fullwood, and here's my coda on last week's conversation on the performing arts Lizzo, body positivity and body shaming. Last week's episode stayed with me because, I mean, we're marketed to all the time. Advertisements are everywhere. Billboards, internet, sidewalks, urinals. Cradle to the grave advertisement campaigns. Brand loyalty. We've become a brand. What's your brand, Stephen? I think in considering the value of our bodies, what looks good or doesn't is inextricable from the constant barrage of ads to look a certain way or to strive to obtain an ideal. To me, it's a hamster wheel of misery. Lizzo's weight matters because we as a culture have made it matter. The we includes the producers and the consumers. And it won't stop until we thoroughly examine our culpability and our buy-in into a system that has always taken more than it gives. Can you imagine for a moment Slim Fast or some other get slim quick diet supplement going bankrupt? or women everywhere deciding to never purchase another tube of lipstick or any other cosmetic, or all the gyms closing down forever. Well, if you can't imagine it, this is precisely my point. It takes imagination to conceive of a world where your body is value, whatever it looks like. But it starts with our imagination, and by all accounts, our imaginations have been stolen by a capitalist system that we live in and suffer from. Consider this. At the dawn of the 20th century, you could find numerous ads in magazines about ways to gain weight. Back then, weight meant wealth, which meant basically you were eating. As always, if you can't actually be the thing, you can approximate it in your appearance. The reason why I think we continue to shame Lizzo and many like her is because she represents a stark difference in what we typically see on stage and on screen as the focus. And if she is there, she's usually in the chorus, background, comic foil, or just plain evil. Lizzo interrupts the fantasy because that's all it is, fantasy. With all the strife we endure daily, wars, pandemics, financial despair, not to mention any number of terrible surprises that might pop up in your life. What fresh hell is this, said the amazing Dorothy Parker, such as illness, loss of job, broken relationship, etc., etc., etc. 
We look to escape into our entertainment and our escapes should not complicate who we think we are or desire to be. We do not like being reminded of what we see in the mirror. For me, it's less about our actual appearance, but how at times we consciously and unconsciously accept that we don't matter or matter less due to how we look and that we often denigrate our bodies and those of others based on standards few will ever achieve or die trying to get there. It puts me in the mind of an Onion article, The Onion, the satirical newspaper, uh, April 1998. The title goes, I lost 32 pounds in 15 days and I died. <laughs> Here's an excerpt, quote, I never, lo- I never knew losing those extra pounds could be so easy until I discovered Vita loss. With the help of this miracle weight loss system developed by nutritionists at ProStart Labs, I lost 32 pounds in 15 days and died. Thanks to Vita Loss's miraculous patented metabolic rate enhancement system, I was able to lose the weight without dieting or exercising. In the final days of my life, I got to eat all the foods I love, and I still lost over 30 pounds. End quote. And from there, their article only gets funnier and darker and sadder. I like that anti-bullying campaigns are finally, finally a thing. Finally, because much of our social life is based on what's acceptable and what's not, particularly when it comes to our appearance, which is bankrolled, enhanced, and regulated through our social networks. Even as I say all this, I worry about the co-option of meaningful movements turned into a real body's dove advertisement. Because you have to buy the soap, right? I'm not optimistic about living in a time where opposition to a corrosive idea can be sold back to you as a product. No. I'm aware of Lizzo being used as a thing to represent changes in an industry that's not changing, when she's hardly the first talented woman of size. I recall the early 90s saga of Martha Wash, a most magnificent singer you have heard of, but you likely have never seen. Remember CNC in the Music Factory? She's going to make you sweat. Everybody dance now. Or Black Box, another group. Their hit was Everybody, Everybody, among others. Martha Wash's vocals were featured on songs she recorded for these producers, some as guide vocals and some as background vocals, and they were then turned into hits used without her permission. And in the videos, the producers used skinny women to lip sync Martha Wash's vocals. Disgusting. I have no end to this rant, to be honest with you. But I'd like maybe take this away. If this can be used as a takeaway, try this. Last year, I posted a quote on Facebook by Ramana Maharshi. Maharshi, excuse me. Ramana Maharshi. He's regarded as many as an outstanding, enlightened human being. He's a charismatic person and attracted many devotees, some of who saw him as an avatar and the embodiment of Shiva. Very smart guy. Uh, It goes, uh, a questioner asked him, how are we to treat others? And Maharshi responded with, there are no others. Take care of yourself and do not be hard on yourself for whatever reason. Thank you and goodbye.